Welcome to the C2C Podcast. I am your host, Derek Anderson. After holding my first event in 2010, I went on to create Startup Grind, a 400-chapter community based in over 100 countries. Along the way, I discovered the greatest marketing tool of all time, your customers. Yet, I couldn't find anyone sharing how to build a community where people could experience your brand in person or at scale. On this show, we talk with the brightest minds and companies on the planet about how to build customer-to-customer marketing strategies and create in-person experiences for your brand and customers before your competitor does. Welcome to the CDC Podcast. This is John Fry from the Bevy team, and today we are interviewing Corrine Woolock, who is a program manager of community development over at Neo4j. Now, Neo4j is a graph databasing company, and I know what you might be thinking. Is there a huge community of people who are passionate about graphs? Really? Graphs? Yes, graphs. There is a huge community behind Neo4j. And in the episode, Corrine talks about how she created the Global Graph Celebration Day, which already has over 50 events just for this one day. She talks about that and so much more. So without further ado, please enjoy the show. Corrine, what does Neo4j do? So Neo4j is a graph database. It's basically a tool that's used by pretty technical people, software developers, engineers, architects, some researchers and scientists that work on coding in some aspect when they're working on different kind of research. So it's a technical product. It basically allows you to see how data is connected. So if you think about Most databases are tables, they're tabular, like if you are not technical, it would probably be like Excel versus if you are technical, it would be like most NoSQL databases, Um, they're all tables and they connect to each other. So this is someone's addresses, phone numbers, whatever. But if you're trying to see how things are connected, like if you're building a family tree and you're trying to store it all inside of tables, it is going to get very complex. So it allows you to store your data in the shape of a graph, mathematical definition, like networks. It's pretty cool. Do you have a big genealogy thing. community using Neo4j? Or? Yeah, actually, you know, you, it's interesting. There's a lot of people who started doing, and this is like a while back. I was like reading some academic paper of people who are doing genealogy type research. And it's, I mean, it's very graphy. Yeah. The way I actually discovered Neo4j is a friend of mine from Philadelphia. His name is Daniel Himmelstein. He's a postdoc at UPenn. He works out of the Green Lab and he does genetic research. Okay. And he uses Neo4j to see like the patterns and the genes and the different treatments and cancers and things like huh. that. Um, he's amazing. It's really cool. Yeah. yeah. Talk to me about how you and the company view community. What does it mean to Neo4j? It's kind of interesting because uh, right now I'm taking some online courses on community strategy and things like that. And some of the things that a lot of other communities need to do is validate why their community is important. And it's great because I don't really need to do that. My, the company loves community stuff. So um, we are an open source software. There's also an enterprise license. So we just have a huge community of users. So it'll be like students from, you know, even middle school, high school, you have university students, you have postdoc people, you have all kinds of, and then you have people who are CTO levels and startup companies and It just widely varies, but it's immensely important because it helps us, one, with like adoption of the product. People learn how to use it. They get the word out. And also like even just building on it with like different technology integrations and things that it works well with and feedback from the community and what they do. 
I mean, it's probably one of the most important things for the company, I think. And I, I'm pretty sure that the CEO would agree. So, Is it something that was, you know, really sounds like sort of core start in the early days of the company, which the, the company is, has been a startup, has now raised a significant amount, tens and tens of millions of dollars in funding. But it sounds like something that's really been a sort of core part of integrated with the product through like a founder initiative, or is that something that other people in the company were driving? Um, I think it was kind of the vision for it all together from like the very beginning, you know, with, when you're like releasing, if you're releasing something that's like an open source software, you want to be able to get people involved and collaborators and have people learn how to use it. But yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of like been the vision from the beginning. So it's pretty cool. And because it's such a new concept, it's kind of taken this weird route on how it's progressed in terms of adoption, because a lot of people don't, sometimes they don't really understand what it is. And then they look into it and then they get addicted. So it's almost kind of like an exponential growth, but it's pretty cool. How do you prove ROI? What moves the needle inside the company? So it's kind of hard to say because our community of users, like, so we have like open source and then we have enterprise, right? So like the enterprise users are like your big companies, like your, your Walmarts and your like Apples and PayPals. And, you know, those are like the, you know, the big companies that might be using enterprise version, but you have a lot of people in the community that might necessarily never turn into revenue, but that doesn't mean that it doesn't have value for the company in general, right? So like, it's not like, oh, community user, like this is going to be this amount of money for us. But I think most of what we kind of gauge success on is like, I mean, there's different things, different programs have different like values of success. So it kind of depends on what it is. Um, but usually if there's like a certain amount of like active machines or how many people are downloading the open source software, how many people are logging on to like the sandbox to play around with the software, things like that. It's pretty like basic interactions. People are like participating in the community site. So we just like launched this like little community site that we built and are building more on. So there's a bunch of different areas on how we can kind of gauge success there. So you also have a, a super active C2C in-person community, and this is the C2C podcast, so appropriate to ask mm -hmm. you about this. Um, what was the catalyst that got that community started? I think that, uh, so I can't speak super historical um, because like the company is much older than how long I've been with the company. I've only been with the company for two years. But what I've seen is that there are a lot of people in our community that actually, they have this like drive to want to connect with other people that are like them and have similar interests to them in person, that kind of face-to-face -face thing. It makes them feel like there's other people that are like them. You know, like you start adopting this technology and you're super addicted to it and you love it and you want to talk to other people about it. And they're, I, I don't want to hear it, but you find somebody else who's also addicted to graphs like you and you can just talk about it all day. You can collaborate on projects. Some really interesting things actually happen when you take it from a digital world and put it into a real world environment. It's actually kind of cool. But a lot of it, I think, is being able to just connect with other people. You know, people have a I want and a need to be with other people in real life. Yeah. I mean, I think we're seeing this more and more, this sort of distrust for what's happening online and, and almost like just a bad taste in your mouth of so many negative online experiences that, you know, just okay. getting back with other human beings, it turns out that wasn't such a bad idea that people have been doing that for thousands of years. There's some real benefits to getting together in person, right? Versus just talking online. Yeah. I also think that like one of the things that, so it's not even that like online is bad because it definitely sure, has its own sure. advantages, but 
I think that like the ability for us to connect more socially online actually leaves us more disconnected in a lot of ways. And this is actually, I mean, I run a woman's networking group also. I call it networking. I don't like that word because I think it's misused and not properly used, but we host all in-person events. So like, yes, it kind of lives online, but that's not where it really thrives. Like that's not where you see it blossom. And I think that a lot of people start to actually feel more isolated when they're digitally interacting with people. There is also other advantages to it too, to having like a digital platform. But I think it's just one thing that complements the other, you know, like you can have something, not everything's going to be right for the same need, but it definitely does seem that people are working harder to disconnect a little bit more and be more present in real life, um, which is kind of nice. Totally. And I know you have a program uh, called Global Graph Celebration Day. Uh, that you're an initiative around this day, I should say. Tell us a little bit about how this Neo4j got tied into this and what's happening with it. And just talk, it's a, it's sort of just sparked this fire inside your community, it looks like. Oh my God, it was crazy. Like the response was so much bigger than we expected. So uh, basically our product is built off of, it's a graph, right? So, and when I say graph, I don't mean charts. I mean like graph theory, mathematics definition of graph. So there is a Swiss mathematician. His name is Leonard Euler. He's the guy who invented graph theory. And I was thinking about it. I was like, you know, his birthday's coming up. I'm like, we should kind of like do something to celebrate him. And I mean, he's such a like, he impacted so much. And like, literally a lot of the, like our community, they love graphs. So I was like, we should really just do a Leonard Euler birthday party. Now, the problem is, is that we have people in every crevice of the world, like, every crevice. I'm like, every corner of the world, the world is round. We don't have it in every <laughs> corner of the world, but you know what I mean? So we have people all over the world. So what I thought about is like, I was like, okay, well, what if we did something where we can kind of all celebrate globally, but everyone can kind of host their own little thing of whatever they want to do. So I, I wrote a blog post and I was like, hey, we're going to celebrate Leonard Orla's birthday. He's the guy who invented graph theory. And you know, feel free to host your own events. You can host a game night. You can host a whiteboarding session. You can do a little hackathon. You can do a presentation, whatever. And then people started volunteering and registering their events. And on our end, we're like, we're going to be publishing this like connected graph of all these people and all the people that attended oh, and how cool. they're connected to each other. Oh, it's going to be amazing. And we're also giving, sending everyone t-shirts. So like all the registered events. Yeah, you're basically get, like, stoking the fire. Like you like lit a match and then people are grab are like, and then you're like, you're just sort of like stoking that fire for them with all these different yeah. things. And it's usually like an individual, yeah. like somewhere. You know, in one place, like we got this guy, a guy named Arthur in Curacao, which is like Caribbean island in Aruba, I, by Aruba, like south of Aruba. I'm like, I want to go there for Global Graph Celebration Day. And then, you know, I found out that Georgia Tech has like a graph theory, like there's seven bridges of Konigsberg, which is the graph theory stuff. Uh, they have a whole courtyard like dedicated to this thing. So, so many things start popping up and then we just start seeing people registering events. We have now in like less than a month, we have 50 events in six continents. Wow. It's crazy. It's a, and some places I'm just like, I didn't even know we had people over here. So <laughs> That's amazing. It's, it's pretty cool to see that. With Startup Grind, we did similar things. Like we, have, we had a female entrepreneur month and you know, we just wanted to get more women on our stages. And you know, we have, it started out with 50 the first time we did it. And then it went to 100. And now it's like 200 women. That's something people like plan for every year. It's, it's interesting. Like if you if you sort of direct people's energy in, I mean, it has to be something they want to do, right? It has to be something that fits in line with the community and what you're all about, which this does. But 
it's incredible if you just like give them something and say like, hey, you should do this and here's how we're going to help you do it. And then people are like, oh, you know what? Like I'm going to grab that and run with it. And and then it's like, look at all these other people. It's like, it just cr- starts to create so much energy and it, and it's just around this, you know, it probably wasn't that much work, I can imagine, for you to like right. put all this together. Certainly not the work that of what 50 events is going to create and no. and like all the impact that's going to create. And so, but you just sort of seeded it correctly and properly right at the right time with the right thing. Yeah, I think a lot of people don't, like, in, just in community in general, like, if you don't tell them, like, hey, you can do this if you want, um, they won't know to. So, like, you know, for example, like, we have a featured developer of the week that we send out every week. So, like, you know, I was saying, we should have a nominate your featured developer of the week thing, like, so people can, and people, chances are, they will take advantage of that. So, and I, I think that's one of the things with the events, if you tell people, like, hey, you can host your own thing, you can host a lunch and learn in your office. I shouldn't have to tell them to do it, but people... But it, sometimes if you do, they'll do it because these 50 events wouldn't have happened if we weren't just like, here's a blog post. Let's celebrate Leonard Euler's birthday. And now it's like this movement. People are getting cakes with his face on it. So. We'll, we'll tweet the pictures out. Corrine, um, <laughs> thank you so much. I know this is, these are quick. We're done. We nailed it. Awesome. We crushed it. We beat it. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, please leave a review wherever you listen to this. If you'd like to see more about how to create your own event community, go to bevylabs.com slash pod. Again, that's B-E-V-Y-L-A-B-S dot com slash pod.